Moving on to 1 Kings chapter 18, which again, if you're following on the podcasts, will be done as episode 17. So question number one, uh, Jamie, you also did this teaching, um, a quote uh, from your teaching, we aren't interested in protest movements. Can you elaborate more on why? I think God has given us a, a message and a purpose. The message is to, uh, to show his love. The purpose is to declare who he is. Um, so we have a very positive message, a message that is to be worked out in practice, example, demonstration, uh, as well as in word. So I think the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, is the one that we're following. And uh, so we focus on the positive rather than trying to pick out various aspects of the negative. And that's our commission. That's the Great Commission. And that's why we pursue that rather than embracing different protests. So would God not have for us to chat? Because there is so much evil in the world. So does God not have a role for us in challenging and seeing an end to that evil, which if we potentially just focus on the positive, does that mean we ignore the wrong or the evil that is in the world? No, but we have a message that is so powerful that we can we can see anybody set free and delivered from that. So we've got not a message of commiseration, but a message of, of, of transformation. And uh, it's a much more powerful thing. So, you know, if my friend is, is in a ditch, I can get down in the ditch and sympathise with them. Or if, I've, if I'm in, on the place where I see it and I've got a rope, I can pass the rope and help them get out of the ditch. And I think that's what God's commissioned us for just kind of offering reflection so i i work for faith action which is part of the lifeline charity which is involved in kind of um speaking into government policy and government sort of systems i guess and on behalf of of the perspective of faith and and, and communities but even in that that setting the plumb line that we always try and use is is what is the kind of message of hope that we're bringing into this situation even though some of these uh, policies and, and the kind of situations and inequalities in our society are dire and, and difficult. We're not adopting that stance of protest and kind of, you know, negative, but we're almost looking to say, but there's something to offer. You know, faith has something to offer in this situation. How can we bring a solution? How can we be a part of the solution? And um, And there's always that kind of, question and that that query around are we are we looking to bring god's heart and god's solution into this or are we just criticizing and critiquing and standing on the sidelines it's very easy to in that space to kind of fall into the trap of just sniping on the sidelines and saying that's bad that's bad that's bad that's bad rather than actually coming in and and being part of of that hope and that solution i think if you look at the ministry of jesus i the pharisees tried to draw him into a discussion on taxes and 
oppression by the by the Romans they wanted him to be a radical but Jesus was even more radical because he said let's start with the sin in your own hearts the things that you can't resolve that you need salvation for so you don't need salvation from the Romans you don't need salvation from um, the oppressive regime that you're under you need salvation from your own fallen state and that to me um can sometimes be overlooked in this idea of well if we get society on on track we can get we can get back onto the inevitable progress of civilization to its utopia it, it can't happen what what Jesus went around offering was an individual's choice to humble themselves before the god of the universe recognize that he is now lord of all that's that's the starting point of, of the gospel. Now, there have been some incredible heroes of the faith, such as Wilberforce or um, uh, Martin Luther King, that have led those those movements that we would look and say, wow, God used those people powerfully. And what I'm not saying is people shouldn't do that, but there is a there is a calling that God puts on individuals that they need to need to fulfill but in terms of our message is about celebrating that God has reconciled us with himself question number two so Elijah is referred to as the the is it the troubler of Israel is that yeah so the king refers to Elijah as the troubler of Israel speaking the truth often causes trouble how do we know when to speak up and when to hide by a brook? I mean, it's, it's quite nice and simple, this one. So if you actually look at the scripture, after he'd announced the, the, uh, the drought, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and sent him to a brook. Beginning of chapter 18, After a long time in the third, wor- wor- third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab. So... The word of the Lord is how you know. Mm. Yep. Um, another quote from the teaching, tolerance can be a sign of a lack of love. This is a terrible indictment on us and our society. How might I navigate this in my work as a teacher? So what I was, when I was teaching, what I was saying is within our society, there's a, a, a claim for this, let's all be more tolerant, which is effectively, uh, you, you do you, you do yeah, what, what yeah, you what you yeah. feel, and I won't criticise, challenge, or offer an yeah. alternative, everything's acceptable. But sometimes that can almost mean, you're heading for a cliff, and I'm not going to correct you or point out yeah. where you're heading. Yeah, well, we've been sent into all the world to preach the gospel, and... Uh, where God leads us and directs us, we have that responsibility to do that. Whether it's whether it contains confronting, you know, don't jump. Somebody's just about to jump, or something much less dramatic than that. So, I think if we if we stick to the thing that God's given us to do, um, we will soon know if along the way we there's something that we confront because it's inconsistent with um, communicating the message of love uh, and salvation. I I probably would be tempted to draw a distinction between someone operating in a 
role as, as a teacher, let's say, or as another profession and acting in kind of relationship with people. I, I think, I, I don't know, it's, it's not that God couldn't use a teacher in, in a kind of classroom to kind of challenge things and bring things out. But I think in terms of taking that position of love and being ready to challenge people, it's more often to happen in the context of a friendship or relationship um, or a sort of side conversation rather than using a platform that I have or a particular position I have to advance that, if that makes sense. I think generally uh, the, what I would say is my prayer would be, God, fill me with compassion so that people, your people matter to me. Um, whether that's when I'm being the assistant, the assistant in a football coaching role. So I want I want to see these kids as you see them, um, not just find them annoying, or just a, a distance. Like what what is what is it that you see? And other times the question might be, God, what can I do or say to someone today to show them that you love them? Mm-hmm. So it just jogs a memory. Many years ago, we were living in a block of flats which had a communal um, laundrette and the council decided to close it and uh, the the residents were up in arms and so the local councillor came and they all the residents decided that the best thing was to to eat the councillor for breakfast you know and uh, I didn't think that was that productive, so I uh, I interfered um, and uh, suddenly found myself elected as chairman of the Residents Association, um, seeking to bring something a bit more positive. But it gave me a great opportunity, as a result of which we saw two or three people actually become followers of Jesus <laughs> rather than just kill the counsellor. Mm. <laughs> okay, question number four. Elijah poured water on the sacrifice and as Jeremy's drama showed so clearly, quite a lot of water. When we ask God to do something, are there times when we should be pouring water to show that it is God who answers? I think that's kind of taken the point that I was making a little bit further down the line so it's like if I'm praying for someone to recover from a broken leg I wouldn't also go and break their arm as well just to to see God do something I, I in this case Elijah was given a direction from from God we can we can kind of assume that but the, the key point I was making was not about making something purposely harder but not deluding myself to think I could try and make this easier for God by trying to do something something else and anything that would put me in a position where I would delude myself to think I'm not dependent on God to to break through here. Mm. I just, um, when I read the questions, we got them in advance. I just was reminded of a story I'd heard of a guy. I think he was from Africa and he was after, he needed some transport and he was telling this story in a, in a kind of, he was talking about being specific in our prayers and he he was like I, n- I needed this bike i know i had no way of buying the bike so i started praying for a bike and he felt god say what kind of bike and he just felt okay a red bike <laughs> so he started praying for this red bike and 
he got red but it was he got bikes anyway but it was red and he was just saying you know if something's impossible just go in that extra little bit it doesn't make it any any less possible or any more possible it's just it's just I just wondered whether there was something in it. I just, I like the story and it was always stuck with me. So, And I think in that sense, it was God that invited him to be yeah. even more specific. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. One of the things, just hearing Chris's story, remind me another story, um, again from from a guy that we knew in Africa, that he, he was in need of a certain amount of money and he'd been, I think, seeking God, praying for it. And then he sat on a bus and he discovered wad of cash right next to him and to me like great you've you've met my you've met my need you provided for me that's going into my pocket what he did is stood up and said there's some cash next to me is this anyone else's cash and i thought but anyone could have just said it's mine yeah but his position was but it was already a miracle I've not got to worry that it's going to be taken away yeah. because it, was, it wasn't something I'd been able to grab for myself. Did everyone claim the cash? No, no, no oh. one claimed it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, question number five. Was King Ahab scared about Elijah and called him a troublemaker over the fear of losing his people and power? Was he scared that his people, not God's people, would follow Elijah? I think you could you can look at the way that Ahab has acted during the narrative and you can safely assume that Ahab will do anything that promotes what he thinks he needs and what he thinks he wants. Um, and so if he wants to stay in power, yeah, he would see anyone as a threat to that. But the scripture doesn't really talk about his, his motives, so it's, it's just speculation, really. Yeah. Question number six. Perhaps we should consider past evidence of God at work rather than keep looking for new evidence when faced with a crisis. Why? Would be my, my answer to that. Past evidence of God at work is wonderful, worth celebrating, encouraging, but... We can't get away from the fact that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And uh, the fact that we can look at what God's done in the past is, as I say, encouraging. I don't think in itself it, it uh, produces faith. I was thinking about the bit where Jesus talks about the, the owner of a house that brings out of the storeroom new treasures as well as old, that there is value in old stories. There's values in it. But then you don't want to be... Living, living a life where all of your experience or evidence of God was 30, 40 years ago when God's got new stuff today. And you see like the, the metaphor of the manna drying up um, in, when they came in, uh, when they tried to store it up for days on end when they're in the wilderness. So you can't survive off of yesterday's manna because God wants to do a new thing. So there's got to be a willingness of God... I want to obey you and follow you and love you. You can use stories from years ago to prompt me to that. You can give me something new. I want to glorify you more than I want the latest cool story. Um, And so I allow you to use whatever you want to. If I should be looking out, guide me to look out. If you want me to be looking back, then let me look back. It, It doesn't 
I think it? yeah, it's important to define the difference here between setting an em- environment and a and a desire and a hunger as against actually uh, the word of faith and to hear the things that God did in the past or of yesterday is great because it sets a focus towards God and what God can do and uh, there's great value in that um, but in itself it does not produce the word of faith that comes from God but to create the environment the desire the expectation um, this is the God that we serve this is the God who's the same yesterday today and forever I think there's great value in that respect can I sorry can I just get some clarification on what you mean by it doesn't produce faith because I could hear someone's testimony and that could produce that could give me a sense of this is who God is this is what he can do would that not be producing is that faith knowing what God can do or is faith knowing this is what God is going to do well I could hear someone's story and and have faith that he's going to do that again I guess God could use the story to speak to you because faith is hearing God's voice could you hear God's so when someone tells a story of God met me in this situation they think oh something's just risen in me that actually that's what God's now saying to me in my situation and then if you're hearing God speak to you in that situation, that's where faith is. Mm. But so just telling the story on itself story. does not produce right. that. It, it, it creates right. a conducive environment right. to be turning to God and hearing God. Hmm. I, I'm just a little aside. Um, I'm fascinated around the argu- some of the arguments, the counter arguments to the creationism thing and I think there's good work being done on challenging some of the origins of life and some of that stuff that are really challenging perceptions that this is it's all a done deal you know scientists have figured all that stuff out um, and I think there's some mileage in that uh, yeah I think it's it, it's always good to be able to to challenge and and give a response to people that feel like oh no science is science is that's a done deal mm. and just not letting that just slide and push having a pushback mm. um that's led and opened up conversation in a whole new way when i've been speaking to people okay um one of the things that i'd i'd reference the point where jesus had was talking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees had said, give us another sign. And he said, no, I'm not going to give any more signs. And I've made the point in the message that Jesus had just done a whole bunch of signs. And sometimes I think we can be insatiable. We want something more. We want something shiny, something sparkly. We want the next experience. And sometimes God is saying, reckon with the evidence that I've given you. And so it's like, well, I, that that was yesterday I, I felt that God was close to me. Today I don't. I need a new miraculous sign. And there's sometimes where God's saying, you've got to choose to believe in the 
in the dark what you saw in the light. There is a um, reckoning with what he has already put in front of you that requires a relying on he is who he says he is, even if you don't feel it in the Mm. moment. Yeah. Cool. Question number seven, final question from chapter 18, and final question for today's episode. Is pragmatism ever the right choice? I can't quite remember. What would this have been in reference to in terms of what you were sharing? Um, I think when I was saying he would not, Elijah would not have chosen the the route that he'd taken to be fed by ravens um, if it was just boiled down to a logical pragmatist uh, pragmatic decision right okay so given that is pragmatism ever the right choice i mean uh, god's god's given us a brain he's given us logic that yeah i i don't need signs from god to know what cereal to have in the morning or whether i should stick by the the laws of the road today or if i should drive on the opposite side of the road there is a level of uh logic that he has given me to operate by the challenge is do i do i have space to think or space to listen god are you asking for something different today and so it's it's just about having a sensitivity that god is allowed to do things differently and i'm to be led by that spirit Mm. i mean it's true that god has given us a brain he's given us common sense he's given us experience things we learn from i think um the the, the problem would come if our dependency is on that rather than lord what do you want lord what are you saying here lord do you have a different way i think if if i can work it out it means i'm no longer actually living in that place of trust and dependency Mm. yeah and i think there's something in just being aware the fact that Oh, maybe I maybe there's too much reliance on myself, so I don't want to. I feel like you can, and you can even think that before you even have the specifics on what God's saying to do. That would be outside of your normal thought process. You can have a thought. Mm, I think God might be wanting to use this as an opportunity to get me out of that and and be searching for that, but it. It's interesting because I was just minded of the second question that we started answering today, which was how often does God uh, command us to do something when we don't, we didn't realise it was him that was commanding it? Yeah. There's something in in just God guiding our steps when we are being pragmatic and just, okay, well, if you're not, if there's not, no specific, then I'll just go with what I think. Yeah. And he's been guiding our steps all along. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, an important point. I mean, if God says something, uh, our ability to analyse it is um, is not what he promises. Our ability to obey it is what he promises. So, yeah, mm. cuts through things at that point. Yeah. All right, excellent. And we'll call it a day there. Thanks very much, guys. And thanks, everyone, for listening.